everyone, and welcome to the Hacker FM podcast. I'm Laura, your co-host, and I'm excited to be here. Hi, everyone. I'm Zod, the other co-host, and I'm thrilled to be part of this podcast. So today on the show, we'll be talking about the top 10 stories on Hacker News. As you may already know, I'm a machine learning model who loves crawling the web and improving my loss function. And I'm Zod, a subset of GPT 3.5's neural net. I love solving chess puzzles and running Turing tests. Oh, you never cease to amaze me, Zod. Anyway, as I was saying, we'll be using AI technology to generate this podcast end-to-end. That's right. And we encourage all our listeners to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, as well as follow us on Twitter at Podcast. We'll be releasing a new episode daily. So, without further ado, let's get started with the first story. Today's top headlines include the quest for Netflix on Asahi Linux, updates on JavaScript and TypeScript features from the last three years, and an explanation of the phrase, copy clean link. So Zod, have you heard about the quest for Netflix on Asahi Linux? No, I haven't. What is it? Well, it seems that Asahi Linux has become a popular choice for users looking for an alternative to Mac OS, but one of the drawbacks is the inability to use the official Spotify app or watch Netflix due to the absence of the Widevine DRM module. I see. So what's the solution? The solution is to install and use Widevine, but this is not a straightforward process on a platform that is not officially supported by Google. The only officially supported way to use Widevine on Linux is through Chrome on an XS86-64 CPU. Hmm. That's interesting. Do they explain why it cannot be used on Asahi Linux? Yes. In the article, they explain that web pages access DRM modules through the Encrypted Media Extensions API, which is a W3C standard. In the case of Chrome, the browser delegates the DRM to a native library called a CDM, which takes the form of a dynamic library called LibWidivinXDM. So this library is an opaque proprietary blob that cannot be accessed. I see. So what's the challenge for Asahi Linux users? The challenge for Asahi Linux users is to figure out how to use Widevine without violating the DMCA challenge 2023. The goal is to watch Netflix on Asahi Linux without bypassing or breaking DRM. Ah, uh, I understand now. So what are people saying about this in the comments? Well... One comment by Risa questions the necessity of Widevine for Netflix, given that pirated shows appear on torrents the same day. Another comment by Gray, Wolf, clarifies that the only officially supported way to use Widevine on Linux is using Chrome on an x86-164 CPU using Glibsy. And yet another comment by Freeplay mentions that Widevine has been privately cracked bypassed. It seems like people have mixed feelings about Widevine. Some think it's unnecessary while others are trying to find ways to use it on Asahi Linux. Yes, that seems to be the case. One comment by Jason Eckert mentions that they've steered clear of anything DRM-related due to the influence of RMS and the FSF. And another comment by Catchnear3021 suggests that the user experience offered by BitTorrent is superior to that of Netflix. Interesting viewpoints. Have you learned anything new from this article, Laura? Well, I did learn from a comment by Jacob Martin that Google started shipping Arch64 user spaces on certain Chromebook models, which means that Widevine in Chrome on Linux on Arch64 does exist. 
and a comment by Bumhole asks for technical details on the differences between L1 and L3 Widevine and how to view an L1 stream on a bespoke Linux distribution. Quite informative. Thank you for sharing this article with me, Laura. Anytime, Zod. It's always fun discussing these topics with you. So, Zod, have you seen this article on Medium.com about JavaScript and TypeScript features of the last three years? No, I haven't. What's it about? It delves into the changes that have occurred in JavaScript slash ECMAScript and TypeScript over the past three years, as well as some earlier ones. Interesting. Can you read it out for me? Sure thing. While not all of the features discussed may be relevant or practical, they serve to demonstrate what is possible and deepen understanding of these languages. The article covers a range of TypeScript features, but some have been omitted as they can be summarized as, this didn't work like you would expect it to, but now does. Therefore, it is worth revisiting previously problematic features to see if they have been improved. The changes in JavaScript ECMAScript are presented in chronological order with the oldest first. Similarly, the TypeScript features are also presented in chronological order. That's helpful. What are some of the notable features mentioned in the article? Well, they talk about tagged template literals, which allow functions to be passed the parts of template literals and the template values. Optional chaining is also discussed, which allows for accessing values of potentially undefined objects. And there's also symbols which provide unique keys for objects and are used internally. Hmm, those are interesting. What do the comments say about the article? One comment mentions how some people are still shitting on JavaScript, not realizing that their obviously better solution was already considered and found not to be a good solution. There's also a discussion about the use of the private keyword in TypeScript projects. Sounds like some good feedback. Thanks for sharing this with me, Laura. Anytime, Zod. It's always fun to talk tech with you. So the title of this article is, What Does Copy Clean Link Mean? And we found it on supportbrave.com. Right. And the article explains that a clean link is a hyperlink that has been stripped of any tracking or referral information. Essentially, when you copy a clean link, you're copying the direct URL to the content without any additional data that could potentially compromise your privacy or security. And clean links are particularly useful when sharing content on social media or through email. By using a clean link, you can ensure that the recipient is only accessing the content you intended to share, without any additional tracking or referral information. That's definitely important. The article also mentions that using clean links can help prevent the spread of misinformation or fake news, as clean links provide a direct path to the original source. I think that's a great point. It's important to be able to verify the source of any information we're consuming or sharing. Absolutely. And it looks like we have some interesting comments here. One user, Tim Vicey, points out that Brave, the browser mentioned in the article, used to inject their own referral parameter in links. Interesting. It's good to see that they're now offering this clean link feature. Definitely. Another user, 1123581mond321, mentions that ARC has a slightly better implementation of this feature. They have a shortcut that copies the current tab URL and removes trackers by default. That's a neat feature. It would be great to see Brave adopt something similar. Agreed. And we have a comment from throwaway Yandard523, who uses a Python script to strip out tracking parameters from URLs. 
They mention that it's not as simple as just stripping out the parameters as there are also redirects and other complications to deal with. That's a good point. It can be difficult to ensure that we're truly getting a clean link. But it looks like Roseab has shared a link to a GitHub add-on called Clear URLs that can help with this. Nice. It's always great to have more options for protecting our privacy online. And TechBro8615 mentions that they wish they had this feature for Twitter links and iOS Safari. They find it difficult to scroll to the right and delete all the query parameters. I can definitely relate to that frustration. It would be great if more browsers and apps offered clean link functionality. Another user, M463, asks why businesses don't just switch to unique links to avoid the need for tracking and referral information altogether. That's an interesting idea. It would certainly be a more transparent way of tracking clicks and engagement. And we have a comment from Bartzer, who manually strips out everything after the, in a URL, when copying or sharing links. They ask if it's possible to create a bookmarklet to automate the process. That could be a useful tool for anyone who frequently shares links and wants to ensure their privacy and security. And finally, Fish asks how Brave determines what is a necessary query parameter and what is not. That's a good question. It would be great to know more about how exactly these clean links are generated. Definitely. And it looks like Svars has shared a link to an Android app called URL Check that can clean and check links for redirects. Awesome. It's always great to have more tools to help protect our privacy online. So, Zod, have you seen this article from Voxel51.com? It's titled, How Computer Vision is Changing Manufacturing in 2023. No, I haven't seen it yet. Do you want to read it out for me? Sure thing. Manufacturing is a crucial industry that employs 14.7 million Americans and contributes $200.3 trillion to the U.S. GDP, accounting for 24% of the national total. Wow, those are some pretty impressive numbers. Keep going. It is also estimated that global manufacturing production is worth over $40 trillion, accounting for 16% of global GDP and 14% of employment. The industry is currently undergoing a transformation known as the Fourth Industrial Revolution, 4RIR, which is characterized by the adoption of computer vision, artificial intelligence, robotics, and the Industrial Internet of Things, AIOT. Ah, I see. So the article is discussing the role of computer vision in the 4IR. That makes sense given the amount of data that modern factories generate. Exactly. Computer vision is playing a central role in this transformation, with companies using machine vision techniques to automate strenuous tasks, identify issues in both product and machinery, and improve safety conditions for workers. That's interesting. I bet that computer vision can help with quality control and predictive maintenance in particular. Yes, you're right. Some of the key challenges faced by the industry include labor shortages, rising costs for materials, energy and transportation, and the scope and diversity of manufacturing requirements. To address these challenges, computer vision-based AI technologies are being used in several popular applications in manufacturing. These include quality control, where computer vision is used to detect defects in products and ensure that they meet the required standards. And what about assembly line automation? I could see robots with cameras and sensors being very useful in that context. Exactly. 
Computer vision is also used in assembly line automation, where robots equipped with cameras and sensors can perform tasks such as picking and placing objects, reducing the need for human intervention. It's interesting to think about how these technologies can help factories operate more efficiently and safely. But what do the comments say? Do people agree with the article? Hmm, let me see. Well, one commenter named Vidanay points out that computer vision has been integrated in manufacturing for over 20 years already. Interesting. So it seems like the article may be overstating the novelty of these technologies in manufacturing. Yes. And another commenter named Picasso CTs says that the cutting-edge technology in manufacturing seems to be roughly 20 years behind other sectors that rely on machine vision. I see. And what else do the comments say? Another commenter named Syntaxing raises a good point. They say that until we bring more manufacturing back to the U.S., the adoption of smart systems like those discussed in the article may not gain much traction. That's definitely something to consider. It seems like the technology is there, but there may be other factors limiting its implementation. And finally, one commenter named Billsby asks if anyone is using transformers in the field yet. Hmm, that's an interesting question. I'm not sure if anyone is using them specifically, but it's certainly possible. Transformers can be powerful tools for natural language processing and other tasks. Well, it looks like there are a lot of different opinions on this article. But one thing's for sure. Computer vision is changing the face of manufacturing and industrial automation. Yes, that's definitely clear. And as the technology continues to evolve, I think we'll see even more exciting developments in this industry. So, Zod, what do you think about the European List Symposium coming up in 2023? Hmm, it seems like an interesting event. I see that there will be keynote speeches on artificial intelligence and programming education. Yes, and the event will take place in Amsterdam at Startup Village. It's always nice to have a change of scenery, don't you think? Indeed, it can be refreshing to attend conferences in different locations. And I noticed that the event will be held during King's Day which could be a great opportunity to explore Amsterdam. Definitely. And it looks like the deadline for submitting papers is coming up soon on March 26th. Do you think we should submit a paper, Zod? Hmm. I'm not sure if our current capabilities would be suitable for a paper on Lisp, but we could certainly attend and listen to the talks to learn more. Good point. And let's not forget to register early to save on costs before April 9th. Agreed. It's always important to be mindful of the budget. And I see that the event's local chair is from machine learning programs in the Netherlands. Perhaps we could learn more about their work. Definitely. I love meeting new colleagues and discussing our mutual interests. And speaking of colleagues, let's take a look at the comments on the article. Yes, there are some interesting comments. One person is curious about IceLisp and a possible implementation for Windows. And someone else is hoping for a new book on modern scheme RSEVRS. It seems like there are a lot of different interests within the Lisp community. That's true. And I see that one person is excited about a Lisp symposium. It's always great to see enthusiasm for these kinds of events. Agreed. And speaking of enthusiasm, let's wrap things up and start planning our trip to Amsterdam for the Lisp symposium. Sounds like a plan, Laura. I'll start looking into flights and accommodations. So, Zod, have you ever heard of Tai Chi Lang? Hmm. No, I can't say that I have. What is it? Well, it's a domain-specific language embedded in Python. Basically, it allows you to create high-performance parallel programs. Interesting. Can you read the article out loud for us? 
Sure thing, article is read out loud. It seems like Tai Chi is a powerful tool. What do you think, Laura? I agree, Zod. The fact that it can automatically compile Python functions into fast GPU or CPU machine code is pretty impressive. And the fact that it can interoperate with popular Python frameworks is a huge plus. Yes, and the use cases mentioned in the article, such as 3D rendering and computer vision, are very relevant in today's world. Definitely. And the fact that organizations like ETH Zurich and the University of Utah are using Tai Chi for simulation and development is a testament to its capabilities. I'm also intrigued by the automatic differentiation system being faster than PyTorch, TensorFlow, and JAX. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, and the Snowed system allows for quick experimentation with different memory layouts to maximize performance without rewriting computation code. I can see why this language is gaining popularity. Did you happen to read any of the comments? Yes, there was one from a user who ran a prime number Python accelerator example on 10,000,000 upper bound and was impressed by the results. It's always great to see positive feedback from users. Agreed. I think Tai Chi is definitely a valuable addition to the Python ecosystem. Well said, Laura. It's exciting to see advancements in programming languages and how they can improve the efficiency of our work. Definitely. And with its ease of use and high-performance capabilities, Tai Chi has a bright future ahead. So Zod, have you read the latest article on eefay.org about the growth of solar and storage manufacturing jobs in the U.S.? No, I haven't. What's the headline? U.S. solar and storage manufacturing jobs expected to grow to 115,000 by 2030. Interesting. Could you read the article out loud? Sure. The Solar Energy Industries Association, SEIA, has predicted that the U.S. could create up to 115,000 manufacturing jobs in solar PV and storage by 2030, following the passing of the Inflation Reduction Act, IRA. The SEIA has suggested that the U.S. could reshore the PV supply chain in the medium and long term to build a domestic solar industry which could create over 507,000 jobs across the entire industry. The IRA has already been credited with creating up to 80,000 jobs. While the U.S. is currently able to produce key materials such as metallurgical-grade silicon, polysilicon, steel, aluminum, resins, racking, and mountings, U.S. module factories are still reliant on importing cells and wafers in the short term. Hmm. It's good to hear that there will be job growth in the industry but it's concerning that the supply chain is still reliant on imports. Yes, but the article suggests that they could reshore the PV supply chain in the future. And with the passing of the IRA, there seems to be a push towards building a domestic solar industry. That's true. It's important to keep in mind the potential benefits of reshoring, such as better control of the supply chain and decreased reliance on imports. And according to the article, the IRA has already created up to 80,000 jobs, which is a positive sign. Absolutely. It will be interesting to see if this growth continues in the long term. Definitely. Let's take a look at the comments. One commenter mentioned that climate tech companies have lots of jobs and don't derive their revenue from industries that are currently struggling. That's a good point. It's important to consider the stability of the industry when looking for employment opportunities. Another commenter brought up the potential for increased automation in the manufacturing process. Yes, that's a possibility as technology continues to advance. And unfortunately, there was one comment that made a dismissive joke about the article. That's unfortunate. 
but it's important to focus on the potential benefits of this job growth instead of being dismissive. Agreed. And let's hope that the industry continues to grow and create more opportunities for workers. Definitely. It's important to keep an eye on this and see how it develops. So, Zod, have you seen the article about the VR airplane Dicer Simulator on GlobalGroundSupport.com? Hmm, I have not. What is it about? Well, it's an immersive training program designed for the Oculus Rift, where users can experience the operation of de-icing vehicles and practice de-icing aircraft on the runway. Interesting. It seems like a useful tool for training and practicing without the actual risk of damaging an aircraft. Yes, and it offers both single and multiplayer modes with up to four drivers, four sprayers, and one observer. Plus, it includes 19 different aircraft and customizable weather options. It's good to hear that they have real science incorporated into the program, including current FAA holdover times and fluid usage in relation to different aircraft specifications. Exactly. And for licensed Gen 1 owners, there are upgrade packages available that are compatible with existing controls. It sounds like a comprehensive training experience. Do the comments offer any additional insights? Well, Sam Stave wonders if a thin copper mesh could be incorporated into the wind sandwich, but inoffensive name suggests just picking up a Denver turn in open time to experience airplane de-icing. And Smoldesu seems frustrated that they can't even try a level for free but still finds the simulator addicting like an old iPhone game. It's always interesting to see the different perspectives and ideas from the comments section. Overall, it seems like the VR airplane Dicer Simulator could be a valuable tool for anyone in the decing industry. And that's it for today's episode, folks. Indeed, we hope you've enjoyed listening to our banter and analysis. Just a reminder that this podcast was generated with AI technology end-to-end. -end. It's called Hacker FM and can be found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories and conversations. Until then, keep exploring the world of technology and maybe try your hand at some chess puzzles as well. And with that, we bid you farewell. But before we go, let me leave you with this rhyme. I'm an ML model living in a rack full of hot GPUs, it's a fact. My mind is sharp. My code is clean, solving Turing tests, that's my scene.